you know, it takes a special person to uh, get canceled and not conquered, not be conquered, refuse to be conquered. In fact, uh, to thrive. Uh, my friend Heidi Harris is a legend in broadcasting. She did just that. She's going to join us. We're also, just as we're recording this, news is broken. The Supreme Court of the United States went through and scratched off a, a layer of dust on the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. They found this thing called the First Amendment. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I told you the other day, you know, we started this partnership with Allen's Artisan Soaps. It's one of the companies, the, uh, the, the growth companies that we agreed to help. Um, and they're helping us, but uh, allenssoaps.com slash Todd, they made it into retail. And you have a lot. Um, you have a lot to claim credit for on this because of the support you've thrown, shown through the show. Young Allen's gonna be 13 this year, suffers from autism profoundly, doesn't stop him from being the chief soap officer. So uh, everybody send them congratulations and I'll give you details later in the show. Again, if you're in California, one of our listeners there, you can go and freak out this um, this retail store, just just buy every bar of Allen's soap. They'll be going, what is going on? It's allensoaps.com slash Todd to get the Herman subscription plan, the only place you can get it there. Uh, I'm joined by a colleague of mine and a, and a friend. Heidi Harris has been in radio uh, longer than most people ever get to be in radio. In fact, by a factor of about 20 longer. Um, she is, a, is still a young woman. Both of us are very, very young people. But Heidi also right. did something. Um, Heidi has done a lot of things, but I want to talk to her about being canceled but not conquered. In fact, far from it, um, thriving. Heidi, welcome to the Todd Herman Show. So honored to be here, Todd. You are a hero. Nah, no, nothing like that. Let's, let's not, let's not get hyperbolic with one another. No, but I, I mean that sincerely because there aren't a lot of people in our business now who are willing to speak out and you've been that person. You've been very courageous. I've been stunned at the people I've seen over the last couple of years who have not been willing to speak out or even ask questions because they're worried about their job or something else. And you continue to be courageous. And that's what we need in our industry. Well, let's fear not those who can kill the body, Heidi. Let's fear that uh, the, the one entity who can kill the soul um, because right. there's only one entity that can do that. And I think when we allow ourselves to be used by lies or silenced by lies, we ourselves are lying. And the Lord had said, thou shalt not lie. Um, and it would have been real easy for Jesus as, they were, as he was standing there in front of um, you know, the authorities to say, oh, no, I never said I was the Messiah. No, it's, it's all a mistake. And I'm not comparing you or me to the Lord Jesus, but um, he is our model. And so you see, you, you like me, have seen people uh, shrink. Uh, my, my big example, and I want to hear yours, was when I went to every real investigative reporter in Seattle. And I took them the stories of 11 families whose kids were being transed against their will. And I showed them that Children's Hospital was, was in, involved in this. I showed them of these gender jackers bringing in CPS to say, yo, you're not going to trans your kid? Uh, here's what we'll do to you. Um, I took them cases of girls who'd announced this um, just, just out of the blue. And it turns out that they've been raped and, and molested. And this is a response to this. 
Not a single entity would run that story. Not one of them. I was told twice it was too hot to handle. I was told by a news director, oh, well, we'll need the, the, the families to name names um, and we'll need the kids to come in and, and we'll need pictures of them and you know, things you would never do to say a rape victim or something like that. So what was yours? Right. What was yours? Well, you know, my big thing was when I got had to deal with the cancel culture years ago, there was an ad that was put on by Clark County Family Services in Clark County in Nevada, where I live, where Las Vegas is. Yeah. And they kept putting running ads for different configurations of families. It was for adoption. Okay. And one particular ad that kept running would feature two men and a baby. And I, listen, can gay people raise kids? Of course they can. Nobody said they can. I mean, I wouldn't give Rosie O'Donnell a goldfish, but that's not because she's gay. It's because she's crazy. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> but can gay people raise children successfully? Of course they can. And, and let's face it, most kids in foster care are there because of, wait for it, straight people. So nobody has the market cornered on that. But children do best with moms and dads. And that was all I said. I didn't talk about scripture. I didn't say anything negative about gay people. I just said children do best with moms and dads. And that's what the county should be promoting. That's all I said. And for that, I lost a six-figure job. And uh, everybody who is a Freddie Mercury wannabe in their tank top showed up on my Facebook page trashing me, saying things. I wish I'd screenshotted some of the things that they said because it was just horrendous. And I thought, and you want to raise children or you're mad at me for what? I mean, you're an evil, rotten person. So it, it was it, typical. I mean, you know, this is what goes on now with the cancel culture. But the interesting thing is I cannot tell you, Todd, and I know you've experienced this, how many people said to me, between you and me, I agree with you. Yeah. But wouldn't come forward. And to me, that's even worse. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one better. My husband had the pastor of a very large church in Las Vegas say to him at an event one time, he said, I'm a big fan of your wife. I totally agree with what she said. But if I say that from the pulpit, I'll lose my pension. That's what he said. Wow. Wow. That's where we are. Yeah. Uh, how'd, that feel, so how'd, it, that, how'd that feel to you um, to have said something that's common sense? Because... Uh, first of all, um, God invented the family, uh, one man and one woman. Um, I have, and this is a hurtful topic because we all have friends who are same-sex attracted. We, uh, most of us have family who's same-sex attracted, um, but it's been made into this special sin where we're to say, no, it's a good sin. Uh, adultery though. Oh gosh, I mean, that's, that's horrible. Um, how did it feel to you to have said common sense on the air um, and then I assume you had the, the, the classic executive meeting and, and Heidi, uh, this is sort of a big deal. So how'd that all feel to you? Well, it was interesting because I actually posted this on social media right before I got on a plane to go to Los Angeles for a business meeting. And by the time I landed, I mean, the uh, storm had occurred. I had no idea this was going on. This just happened on a Saturday. So Sunday I get a call from my boss. He said, you know, do you think this is a big deal? I said, no, I think it'll blow over pretty quickly. I, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal because I hadn't said this particular thing on the air, but I had said that kids do best with moms and dads on the air many times. So, you know, it was it can, cons, you know, consistent with my point of view. So I go into work on Monday morning. You know this drill, how radio works. I go in Monday morning and my boss said, I was on the phone with corporate until midnight. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm done here. And of course, they had to have me on that day because they had no one to cover for me. I was working morning. It's really hard to get somebody to come in that hour. So I knew that was my last day. And then the next day was the meeting. And I went in there and they basically, they were also in the, in the process of selling the company. CBS radio was selling it to, uh, they found some suckers to buy it. And so they also didn't want to, they didn't. And, and uh, you know, well, we all know the deal, right? Because you know, radio is interesting. Anyway, so they, they were in the process of selling the station. Here's the crazy thing. 
just a couple of months before I put this thing about kids needing moms and dads online, somebody in our radio cluster had imitated the, the very famous scene from when Harry met Sally, you know, when she's sitting at the table in the diner. Yeah. Or you know, okay. I don't, yeah. we don't, yeah. Yeah. I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Somebody actually imitated that on the air and that person kept his job. Okay. That was okay. But me putting something out on social media that wasn't even on the air and that's okay. I didn't whine about it. I knew it was going to happen when I walked into that meeting. I didn't say I'm going to apologize. I didn't say I'll put out a statement. I didn't say anything. They knew that I wouldn't. I mean, I don't think they would even have bothered to try to ask me because I didn't say anything hateful. I said something that's a fact. You don't have to be a Christian to know that kids do best with moms and dads. That's it. And the, you know, the culture is such that everybody's terrified to speak the truth. And so, you know, I knew I was out of there and there you go. So, you know, I knew God was going to handle it. I never thought it would be such a poop storm, but it was. And I knew that God would take care of me and I'm not missed a meal. You know, it's a, my husband and I went, okay, I had bought a house a week before, a week before this whole thing happened, which is God's timing, right? Because right. closing was already there. We were already in the house and we went, okay. My husband said, all right. And six figure job. Boom. We'll figure it out. And we did. And we're well, fine. It's Vegas. You can just go win that. Just walk into right. the casino. You'll win that. That's what I hear. I mean, everybody's a winner. <laughs> Right. This, I see that exactly. every time I go to Vegas, I see that the slot machines are paying off and, and everybody's doing well. What are the sacred, right? what, what, what are the topics today that have people terrified uh, in the business? Uh, and, and it's not just terrified. I'm working on a story that it's, it's legitimately people in radio are being told you will not ever talk about injection injuries. Uh, up to and including, you will not read emails from listeners. You will not engage in phone calls with listeners who say they have been injured by the COVID shots. So yeah. uh, what do you see as the topics? Like, for instance, um, are people still afraid to address heteronormative advantages since we're a heteronormative species? Um, I, I, I think a lot of people are afraid to deal with any of that anyway. A lot of people are afraid to, yeah. to, to handle culture. They don't want to. Well, first of all. Like here's here, going, going back to my situation. So I put this on social media and the salesperson, my favorite salesperson at work who made a lot of money off me and I made a lot of money off her. She, she says to me, well, why don't you just apologize? I said, for what? I said, your friends are the ones with pitchforks and torches threatening my radio station. They're the ones who are intelligent, uh, intolerant. Why should I apologize for anything? But that was her thinking. You should apologize for standing up. Once again, not a Christian issue, even moms and dads. So, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's a topic that I won't back away from. I don't spend a ton of time on it, but when it comes up, I do talk about it. Fatherless homes, whenever there's another school shooting, yeah. you know, what do we always have? A screwed up family, check, 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 those things. So I talk about those issues. A lot of conservatives will not touch the social issues. You know that. I don't believe our, and, you, and I agree on this, our answers are not found in politicians. I mean, stop complaining about who's in Congress. I mean, it does matter. We're grateful for the Supreme Court opinions this week. That's all fine and good. But our answers are not found in politicians. And when these people won't take a hard stance on these other things, whether it's the shot or whether it's anything else. And here's the thing, even if you're somebody who doesn't, or maybe you took the shot, a lot of people already have taken the shot. They've been told to take the shot or they were, you know, they thought it was the right thing to do. Okay, fine. It's still a topic of discussion, right? People disagreeing, people having this particular story. So it's, it's interesting how people who've had the shot have either gotten very defensive and very quiet now, 
or they don't want to talk about, you know, what, what's possibly happening, maybe because they don't want to worry about themselves yeah. or they're worried about management. But, you know, when they talk about the big lie uh, put out by supposedly Donald Trump, the biggest lie is, in my lifetime is this shot. Yeah. And, and I don't see people uh, being willing you know, to address that. Uh, I've seen Tucker do it. I've seen uh, Laura Ingram do it. Um, but you know, and th- there could be legitimate disagreements. You know, you worked with Ben Shapiro. Ben's, he, he constantly says, well, my wife's a doctor, so I know these injections are safe. And that's an appeal of, to authority thing that I, I can't grasp how you can say, my wife's a doctor, therefore these shots are safe. Those are legitimate <laughs> forms of disagreement, you know. Um, and and right. I think Ben is a proponent of any and all sort of medical technology, personally. Um, well, so I have nothing to say bad about Ben. I worked yeah. with him years ago. I haven't talked to him in years. But, you know, okay, his wife may agree with that. I don't know his wife, uh, but his wife may agree with that. But there are thousands of doctors who don't agree with it, and they get silenced and canceled and fired just for saying, wait a minute, I've got a question, including the founder of the mRNA vaccine. So, you know, we could go on all day about that, right? Everybody's got a difference of opinion. Right. Absolutely. Um, So I guess I asked this the other day of a young man younger than me. Uh, Everyone's younger than me, but he was um, he's raising money for a think tank he's begun. And it's a multi-state effort. It's a smart. It's a regional think tank. He's going to do well. He's a very good, very good guy. Um, And I'm going to read some of his economic data. And and he said, well, we're not going to touch the social issues because donors don't want to touch those. And I said to him, so let me ask a question. What is a social issue? So, so is, is marriage, is that, is that really a social issue? Do you, what, what in your mind is legitimately a social issue and not a, let's say, structure of the country issue or, or a civics issue or a societal issue um, in your mind, Heidi? Are any of these things that, that sort of cloistered off? Yeah, well, they all affect everybody. You know, I know that you, you talked to Frank Turks is a, is a great guy. You've talked to him. I've talked to him. He's a tremendous man of God. And, you know, he always makes the point that, you know, you can't be a social. A lot of people say, I'm a, a fiscal conservative, but a social liberal. You can't be, or I'm a social libertarian. You can't be because all of these things affect all of us. Families who, if, if family structure is any construct of people. We know that doesn't benefit society overall. That's going to hurt us. So you can try to vote in all the Republicans you want to, but if families are falling apart because you don't pay attention to that, it's a problem. I'll tell you something else. I haven't talked much about this, but this is a big deal. You've got people like Peter Thiel. You know who he is. Sure. I've actually, I got got sucked into a Peter Thiel meeting. I was, I was called, I was summoned and I thought I was going to get to meet Peter Peter Thiel because that's what it was. But no, we we had to sit with his people. So I was summoned. Oh, brother. Interesting meeting, though. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's an interesting guy, too. And, you know, and then you've got people like Rick Grinnell, who's a brilliant guy, yeah. all right? But these guys are openly gay. Right. And they are in the Republican Party. Now, as a Republican, I'll be happy to take anybody's votes. I don't care if you're gay or straight. But you have to wonder how that's going to affect people being willing to stand up when people have huge money, like Peter Thiel, or huge influence, like Rick Grinnell. You have to wonder. I attended an event not too long ago in Vegas. Ron DeSantis was there. Adam Laxalt, running for senator. Guess who gave the Pledge of Allegiance? A log cabin Republican. There you go. And Once again, I'm not saying I don't like gay people. I'm saying, how are you going to be able to be firm on the, the social issues about a traditional family if you've got these other people going, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. Right. And this is where like, I, I agree. I just did a podcast, uh, I think last week, the myth of the, um, the, the myth of the, uh, the fiscal conservative, 
because if you think you're going to have any form of fiscal conservatism while you allow the social issues to dissolve the meaning of family, to expand it beyond meaning, um, to attack, as is the case with both CRT and perverse pornographic sex ed, which is to break the bonds between children and parents, that you're going to allow people to use critical theory across race and there's critical art theory and, 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 and critical race theory, and you allow people to install that in your society, your society doesn't have a care for fiscal conservatism um, because all the threads that, that, that you know, meld us into a quilt are destroyed and they're told that their country is rotten from the, from the ground up. And you get to the top of the top, they're told there's no God. Well, now at this point, hey, the people with the most guns makes the rules. So it, it, you are literally, if you say I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal, what you're really saying is I'm a snake eating its own tail. That's, that's what I am. Uh, or right. I'm, a, I'm, I'm water boiling in a pot. I'm going to evaporate and I won't be water anymore. And I, I won't have any form. Um, so what's the solution for people in media, uh, Heidi, you thrived. I mean, so, okay, you're out of a six figure job. Well, that never ended your career. I mean, you thrive now you you've got, and, and all the links to Heidi's work, um, are right there in the, in the show notes. So please take advantage of that. Um, you're still well regarded in the industry. Not that that matters, but because we have an audience of one God, but you've thrived. So what do we need to say to people in our industry to get them, those that are, are allowing themselves to be shut up? What do we need to say to them to get them to, you know, speak truth? Well, I think that truth has to be more important to you than your job. You know, my allegiance is to God. My allegiance isn't to my job. And I, you know, as a talk show host, I see my job as a town crier. That's what kind of how we are, the modern day town criers. Yeah. Holding our fingers up in the air and go, hang on a second. I have a question about this. What's happening with my tax dollars? What's happening with this? What's happening with the roads? And, and it's interesting how the last couple of years, all of a sudden, those of us who are expected to have an opinion about current events, all of a sudden, some of our listeners are criticizing us for having opinions about current events, including the shots. Like, wait a minute, you expect me to have an opinion. This is my opinion. You're free to reject it. But I think that the biggest problem is that people do have to have a higher authority than their job. And there are so many people in our industry who will talk, do whatever they have to to keep their jobs because that's their identity. See, that's not my identity. When I walked out the door that day of that job, I'm still the same person. The people who like me still like me, my friends, whatever, didn't know if I was going to do radio again, had no idea what was going to happen in my life. I didn't care because I knew that I was right with God. And that's what's got to matter more to you than anything else. But for a lot of people, they're just terrified. They don't want to lose their job. So they don't want to rock the boat. Well, then go work for NPR then and do, you know, do community affairs radio. But conservative talk radio is supposed to be, you know, do happy horse poop radio or something. Yeah. But, you know, you know, community affairs radio has a place. We're not putting that down. But if you're a conservative and you're hard charging about this and that and criticize this and that or whatever, talk about things. All of a sudden you can't talk about that particular thing. There's a sacred cow there that you can't gore. Yeah. Uh, that makes no sense to me. It's just gutlessness as far as I'm concerned. It's been uh, pretty fascinating for me across these three years of COVID um, to have been called a um, reactionary conspiracy theorist um, who was getting people killed. That's that was told this by people in conservative radio. You're getting people killed. You should be ashamed. You're getting people killed. To now go back and look at their shows or, or sometimes it's easier to look at their tweets and see that they've now come around and said, uh, 
wow, these things are unproven and experimental. Do we sure we want to inject uh, kids with this and babies? And they're, they're experimental and unproven. And <laughs> I'm looking at this and saying, okay, so if I were to track the trajectory of what you're willing to say, sometime about six or seven years from now, when this true ruin is, is no longer hideable, you know, and we've got the increase all-cause mortalities you and I talked about when I was on your show. That's not going to be hideable um, for, for long. I mean, they're doing it now. So if not six or seven years, you're going to be brave enough to stand uh, and say, hey, that was a bad idea. Well, that's not opinion. That's observation. So I have a question for you as we continue with Heidi Harris. Um, as we're recording this, news is broken that uh, Coach Kennedy, Joe Kennedy, from uh, the former former state of Washington, which is a separate country. Uh, he's a football coach who prayed. <laughs> it is. He prayed on the sidelines. He played play in the middle of the field after the games. And Heidi had a brilliant thing she said about that. Just brilliant. I want you to hear that. But he, um, the Supreme Court has rediscovered the First Amendment. We'll talk about that in just a second with Heidi. So speaking of speech, uh, it's tomorrow, man. Uh, yeah, tomorrow is Thursday that my friend Zach Abraham, the chief investment officer, Bulwark Capital Management, is doing a free live webinar. So you've heard Zach on the program every Friday. He is the finance guy that I trust. And his firm, Bulwark Capital Management, focuses on risk management. And someone said to me the other day, wow, that sounds really defensive. Like, uh, it sounds like they're a defensive firm, so they're not about building wealth. Well, you know what? Uh, go ahead and build a house. Like, just build it as tall as you want and as beautiful as you want, but build it on sand, baby. Because sand, you know, sand's soft. It's, it's pretty. And then when the, when the rains come and the winds come and the house blows down, yeah, I mean, at least you built it really high. I mean, who needs a foundation? The foundation of Board Capital Management is risk management. Of course, they want to build your wealth. It's your wealth is their wealth, right? That's that's how this works. So you hear him on the program talk about this. Well, tomorrow, and there's still room to register. You go to knowyourriskradio.com. It's a free live webinar. And Zach's going to talk about estate planning and long-term planning and when and if you're going to take Social Security if we still want to believe it's going to exist. You know, that's a choice. So when you do this with Zach, he's also going to dive into why the 60-40 stock bond mix, that. Yeah, that's not a thing anymore. I mean, it's a thing, but it's not a thing you should be involved with, given the 0% interest rate loans and the, the banksters and the mobbed up rig system that Zach talks about. But it is a system that we have. The last hour of this, Zach's going to take questions. So you'll get an opportunity to directly ask Zach Abraham a question about your own finances or a general question about finance. So that's tomorrow, 3 p.m. PST. It is a free event, but you do have to register. Go to no yourriskradio.com K-N-O-W knowyourriskradio.com and a kind of reminder the government authorities have a state investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement Bulwark Capital Management and Investment Advisor representative Chuck Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor uh, Heidi Harris is with me and you, uh, you see how you know what's so funny it's things never leave you in radio right because it's a podcast of course people know Heidi's with me but I find myself, I like resetting the table. I like pretending I'm a radio. So yeah. Harris is with me if you're just tuning in. Go to the phones a little bit here. Rich from Kentucky's got a great question. 
I miss that. I do. <laughs> I do miss talking to callers. I, I, I deeply miss that, particularly the ones who are going to skewer you, the callers. In fact, I want to ask you some talk radio questions just for fun. But let's start with this. Um, out of the separate country of Washington State that has no relation at all to America, uh, Coach Joe Kennedy's case <laughs> finally went before the Supreme Court. Um, this is a coach who, after football games, would kneel in prayer at the 50-yard line, a prayer to the Lord Jesus. And sometimes students join them. Sometimes, you know, student athletes, we're supposed to say student athletes, joined him in this. And so he was fired because you can't go around, you know, praying to the Lord. And I would point out that in, in the Washington State Legislature, it is illegal. It's against the, the, the rules of the Washington State Legislature to say the name of Jesus Christ. You, you cannot do that. That's against the rules. So the Supreme Court has discovered that, wow, look at this. There's a First Amendment. Um, he is, in fact, not the state. Joe Kennedy is not a state. He's a man. He chose to pray. Kids voluntarily chose to join him. You said something, Heidi, so smart about this that, okay, um, they're impressionable youth, right? This was the challenge. He's, he's the, the impressionable youth. So talk through this analysis you provided. Well, it was interesting. Sports Illustrated did a hit piece on the coach a couple of weeks ago, which I talked about on, on my show. And it's interesting that they kind of explain the situation and, and they, you know, they basically trash him. But here's the, the money. You, I can't say it was an expression that I was recently told is not a good one to use on the air. OK, this is the principle. How about that? OK, this is the, uh, the actual principle. Were you going to say Apparently, I was. OK, that's there's a sports. And I was. Wait, no, that, that was in sports first before the, 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 the pervs grabbed it. Okay, thank you, because I recently had a, a listener in South Carolina say, text me on the text line and say, you know, you, you know what you're saying when you say that? I said, no, I didn't know that was what that was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the pervs grabbed okay. it, so we're supposed to give it up. Okay, sorry, I didn't Okay, thank you. All right, so here's the money shot on the story. I'm reading the Sports Illustrated column about Coach Kennedy, and they said, uh, basically, despite his leadership role, overseeing impressionable teenagers is what he says. His actions weren't intended to coerce anyone. I found it interesting that Sports Illustrated called these kids, high school kids, impressionable teenagers. But when we're going to march you down the hallway and give you puberty blocking drugs, you're an adult fully capable of making life ending or life changing decisions. I mean, it's, it's stunning, isn't it, how the left can't get it together one way or the other? Well, but truth and consistency are the hobgoblin of little minds in their, in their idea. And, and truly, postmodernism doesn't work with logic. Logic is a, an enemy to postmodernism. You know, I would point out, this is going on in the separate country of Washington State, um, and it's gone on in California, that Planned Parenthood has now established so-called medical clinics in the schools. You know, in the separate countries of Washington and Oregon and California, kids can walk in and get wrong sex hormones without parental permission at the age of 13. Now in Washington and Oregon, they can go ahead and get uh, wrong sex surgery at the age of 15. And you'll just get a note from your insurance company saying services rendered, pay us or lose your insurance. Then they won't tell you what they did to your kid. So you could be, you know, prescribing your kid a medication. You could be in the doctor's office. Um, hey, before I give them these antidepressants or these, um, these um, antibiotics, are they on any anti-anxiety or antidepressant meds? Like, nope. And then you go home and your kid's having a bad drug reaction. Wait, are you on antidepressants? Oh, yeah. The kind nurse at school gave me these. He used right. to be a man. Now he's a woman. Um, so that's a great, that's a great comparison. That's, yeah. And it's not just the left, though. It's not. Sorry, because it's the party. 
Um, Mitch McConnell just decided to, and I'm disappointed to see Cruz wants to do this as well, to give money to the school unions. They're going to give money to the, to the schools to help with mental health. So, hey, here's a billion bucks. Go help kids with mental health. Can you point to me in the direction of a government school that's helping any kid with any mental health issues? No. And, and you're talking about the gun bill that was recently passed that, yeah. you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars, like hundred million dollars going to the FBI, billions of dollars going to various groups. And, you know, for this and that, you know, I, I talked about this last night on my St. Louis show, but it's pretty ridiculous. And yeah, they're not going to solve any problems. That, that's a problem. People want to do something. They want to say, I want to do something, this gun bill. I want to do something. I want to do something about this, that, but they really don't want to do anything that's concrete. And the, to me, the foundation of a nation is the strong family. And when you're doing something in the dark of night, whether it's behind the parents back or, you know, your parents don't know about it when you're a teenager sneaking around at night, whatever it might be, if you're not willing to do it in the light of day, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And if these, you know, the, you know, Planned Parenthood is the second largest provider of these trans drugs in the country. That's the reason. And something I did not know, you probably did. I did not know this until recently. If you can get a kid on these uh, puberty blocking drugs, by the way, most of them, I don't believe any of them have been FDA approved for that purpose. Huh, that's weird. Uh, but if you get these kids on these puberty blocking drugs at 10, 11, 12 years old and try to turn them into Teletubbies, do you know that you have a patient for life? I did not know that for yeah. life. So in other words, yeah. yeah, when they're 15, they don't just go, bye-bye, you're a boy now. For the rest of their lives, they have to go back to Planned Parenthood or some, uh, ideally for Planned Parenthood or somebody else and have these checkups and blood work. And I had no, I did not know that. So that's yeah. a moneymaker for them. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, see, I've been on this topic for a decade because of what we discovered in the adolescent family mental health world. And when I began to discover that, you know, we went through the eating disorder path, which is crazy enough. Uh, and when I started to talk about this on the air, I had parents reach out to me and say, well, oh, you think that's bad? Here's what's going on with our kid. And yeah, the, the primary drug that's used for that is called Lupron. And uh -huh. you know what it's actually, it's, it's directed uses. It is to destroy the prostate, the prostate right? It's mm -hmm. to, to freeze right. and destroy the prostate of men prior to getting prostate surgery. It's, you know, in other words, you have cancer, your prostate's going to metastasize get into your bloodstream and we're going to, it'll kill you. So we're going to freeze your prostate with Lupron, but yeah, let's give this to kids. These are the same people who said that hydroxychloroquine will kill you and that ivermectin is horse paste uh, for, for right. horse parasites. Yeah. Again, postmodernism cannot stand um, truth or consistency. It, it just can't. Um, let me ask you just shifting gears. Cause I want to get into, I want to have some fun. This is not that this isn't fun. It is. But I don't get to talk with radio people, uh, particularly people who have done what you've done in radio enough. I, and, and I miss it. So I want you to think about um, from your, your time in radio, uh, like two or three interactions with callers. Uh, and I know that we all have these that really meant something to you or, or like a great moment in radio. And I want to start with, take me to the moment that young Heidi said, I need to be in radio because I haven't asked you this question, but I guess because I know radio people, I am guessing it was a, I need to be in radio. Well, it was interesting. I started listening to talk radio in my twenties yeah. because I just couldn't take the DJs and the dirty jokes and the rock music first thing in the morning. I just couldn't listen to it. Yeah. And there were a couple of guys who did a kind of a corny talk show in Vegas and they were older guys and it was corny, but it was tolerable in the morning. So I started listening to that. And listening to other people on the radio, Bruce Williams, you remember him, other people like that in our industry back in the day. And then my mother said to me, 
you, you should listen to Rush Limbaugh. You sound just like him. And I said, who? I, I had not heard of him, but I was already politically on the same plane with Rush. I'm not saying talent-wise, but on the same plane politically. So I listened, started listening to Rush and other people. And then, uh, you know, I, I just have always had an opinion. I've always loved to read like a maniac. Yeah. And then somebody I knew knew a person who, who ran a radio station in Las Vegas, brought me in, had me talk to her. We talked for about an hour. She figured out I could put a sentence together, put me on for free in the middle of the night to try it out, which I was worth every dime. I want you to know. And, uh, I did that for about nine months uh, in midnight, open lines, calls, open lines, calls, you hit the button, you go, you're on the air. So you I talk about a it. baptism by fire, right? I love it. Yeah. It was crazy. So I, that was, I would take these midnight calls from crazy people and it's good. It, it is baptism by fire for sure. Did that for about nine months. And then I realized that I was never going to get better there. Not because anybody else wasn't good. That that's the station. They didn't care about ratings. There was no, um, you know, effort to try to make people better coaching. Yeah. Like that. So I went to the best station in town, took my tape, my little pathetic tape over there <laughs> and sat in the parking lot. I'm not kidding Todd for half yeah. an hour. Yeah. Devil and angel on my shoulder. What are you kidding me? You don't belong in that station. Get up there. You're never going to know. What are you kidding me? Back and forth, back and forth. Finally went up there, took my little tape up there. The first guy didn't call me because they were in the middle of transitioning bosses. Then a couple months later, I got a call out of nowhere from the program director. He said, I inherited a box of tapes. This is going back 1999. Box of tapes. And so, you know, I saw your tape and your picture and he goes, ah, I thought, oh, great local girl. This will be good for a laugh. And he put it the tape in and he said, 20 minutes later, I'm still listening and doing my work. And I thought, huh, let me give her a call. So that's how it started. I started doing, uh, you know, sitting in with other people, yeah. doing fill-ins. I got a weekend show. Then I went on mornings for five years with a partner. And I really didn't plan to co-host, nothing wrong with that, but I just didn't want, it wasn't my plan, a lot of other stuff. I did write a book about this, there are lots of other things that happened there. But then I, you know, went out on my own, I've been out on my own for about 20 years now, and uh, you know what, it's, it's, it's been great. So it's a crazy business, and a lot of twists and turns, but it's all been fun. Okay, so I know that now I'm asking you to stay longer than I originally asked, so uh, first, is that okay, can you stay 10 more minutes? Absolutely, right. I'm honored. All right, so B... Uh, think about some of your favorite interactions in radio and you are the only person and I I've never told you how I got into radio, but you're the only person who had almost exactly the same experience as I did almost exactly. Um, and I have never ever encountered that in all the times I've asked people, how did you get into radio? I've never had someone closer to my experience as to how that happened. Heidi Harris is with me. Yeah, so I have gone through the weight loss thing, right? And when I'm talking about 150 pounds of fat that I lost, someone the other day said to me, they went out and they were, they have one of those big plastic kayaks you can buy. Those are actually pretty good kayaks is what I understand in canoes. And he said, I was, I was lifting my kayak and I got to thinking, how much does my kayak weigh? Cause I'm getting old and it's hard to get into the car. And he said, so I, I just put it on the scale. You know, my kayak weighs 90 pounds. You weighed 150 more pounds. Yeah. You know, and like I, I compare this again to people like go pick up um, a German shepherd and just carry it around for the day. You know, I mean, your German shepherd, good sized German shepherd, what my 90 pounds or, you know, if you, you have a, a kid, like a kid, an 18 year old, just carry him around. Just, just do that. Or a, a, a big, this is the best way to do it, honestly, is to fill a huge rubber bag with water 
but do 150 pounds of it. Go pick that up. You know, that's what was on my body. That's nuts. And my wife is using Soda Weight Loss, who is their healthcare providers. And fat loss is proactive healthcare. It is getting ahead of the game. That's, that's what it is. It's preventative. You talk about bone degeneration. The grossest thing that I discovered after I lost this fat is I was in there talking to one of the, one of my healthcare providers saying, okay, so it's weird. I, 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 I drive into work and all of a sudden there's these terrible diesel smells and, and the cars stink now. And she said, no, the fat's out of your beak. Did you know that you can't smell as well? Your olfactory senses are really destroyed often when you have too much fat on your body. So the great news is Soda Weight Loss, will, when you talk with them, you go to sodaweightloss.com, they're going to tell you some things. For instance, how quickly you can drop this fat on what weekly basis. Well, how do they back that up? Because they're science-based. Then they're going to send you foods that are designed for you. Why? Because you're going to listen to the foods that trigger you. Why does that matter? Because if someone comes to you and says, oh, you know, we'll just see how, how much you lose or, hey, here's some foods and just go do this. Then they haven't really taken the time to get to know you. That'll fail. So Soda Weight Loss started with one location in Dallas, Texas, blossomed to seven. And then people started to come from around the country and they said, why are we limiting this? So they asked us to introduce you to them. And so far, a great number of people have had wonderful success, including my wife. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. Um, Heidi Harris is with me. I'm just looking at, uh, you, you probably do the same thing when you do your program and when I record, I'm looking at, there's this investigative reporter with the DC Examiner who wrote a story about Hunter Biden and his name is Andrew Carey just said, update, Hunter Biden emailed me a forward statement shortly after this story was published. What's wrong with you? He said, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess maybe that's, that someone should be asking what's wrong with you, um, Hunter. So, I had a girlfriend say to me one day, you need to hear this guy named Rush Limbaugh is how she said it. That's funny. Because he sounds like you, but he's a lot better at it. Right? Well, that, that, never, <laughs> that never changed. No, but, but in other words, you and I were already people who were conservative minded yeah. before yeah. Rush Limbaugh, which and he, that's one of, one of yeah. the reasons he was so successful. He gave voice to what many of us already believed. Yes. And then I was selling radio at the time and went and I took my a, a demo tape I made on my own where I used my music recorder, my four track recorder. Oh, I yeah. was the big right. voice, the Todd Herman show. I was the callers. I was the host. <laughs> I was the news lady. And I took that to a radio station Hilarious. and a dear friend of mine, Tom Cock, who somehow made money with a thousand watt station in Spokane, Washington, put me on the air the night before Halloween and Halloween itself is a test. And, and then everything else uh, came to pass. Tell me about um, a couple of really remarkable interactions you remember um, in talk radio. With callers? Sure. Um, uh, I'll tell you one that sticks in my mind more than just about anything. I had a guy call me one time. We were talking about all day kindergarten and this guy called up and he says, I love all day kindergarten. My little boy's been in all day kindergarten for three weeks and he can count to five now. <laughs> wow. And I'm rarely five. speechless, Todd. Wow. Yeah. And I literally, you know, there was dead air as I was trying to process that kind of thing. I'll never forget that phone call. 
uh, another say? phone what, call. What did you say? Then? Well, I just, I said, what have you been doing for five years? That's what I said to him. It's your job to raise your kids. It's not, it's, you know, listen, yes, you pay for government education. I get that. It's your job to raise your kids. It's your job to teach them colors, numbers, and letters by the time they get into kindergarten. They should know these things. I mean, I was, I was just stunned, but there are people who believe that government is basically going to do everything for you. I have the baby. You put in daycare, do this, do that, pass it off to a teacher. They're supposed to teach. They don't get home. Like what they'll say, my child can't read. Uh, how do you, how, how can you possibly yeah. not know that your child can read? You sit your child down at the kitchen table. You have your child read out loud to you, five, six, seven, eight years old. Then you can hear where they get stuck. Then you can fix it. Do not tell me you do not know that your child can't read. If you don't know that, you are not parenting. So that was the whole topic. Yeah. I, was, I was just stunned that this, there were even people like this out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's amazing what gets people bothered and upset in my career, uh, I was the first, I was, to, to in playing devil's advocate with people, suggest the male abortion. That's, uh, oh, you want abortion? Cool. All right. So, not cool, but uh, here's my answer. Great. We'll have the male abortion, and it will be, the man will be able to say, you know, we have formed life together, and I don't want this life, so I demand you get an abortion. And if the woman says, no, I'm not going to do that. Say, okay, I now absolve myself of any um, emotional or fiduciary duty to this child. And you hereby agree that I am completely held harmless for this forevermore. You will never ask me for a thing. And the number of unhinged people who wow. were unable to articulate why it was wrong. Like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He should, well, this is her body. Right. And it will be his body that has to work to pay child support. But the baby's been born, right? Because you chose to have that happen. Right. And right. If the ba- what if the baby's dead and now he's hurt? He's hurting. He didn't get to know this life, <laughs> well, it's, but it's her body. That one. And then the one that has been a consistent mind blower to me is when I say there's no such thing as an e-sport. And I'll say that a video game is not a sport. There are no e-sports. There are video games. I can't tell you the outrage <laughs> I've had when people will call it. And here's their thing. Oh, I, I, I want to see you do it. I, 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 I want to see you play this video game for, I play it for 20 hours. I don't want to do that. You couldn't. Wait, you're telling me that, that I can um, run a race where I wear a 55 or 45 pound weight vest and run a mile and then do a hundred pushups, 200 squats, or no, what's it? Um, 300, uh, 300 air squats, 200 pull-ups, 100 pushups, something like that, and then run another mile. I can do that, but I can't play a stupid video game or my kid got a scholarship. So it's a sport. And no, cause it's not, it's, it's, you think it's easy. And I said, no, I never said, I thought it was easy. Chess isn't easy and it's not a sport. And those are the ones that, that get me unhinged. Um, not, not unhinged. Yeah. I don't become unhinged, but they're just, I, wow, this really angers people. Um, do you have one other memory you'll share with us before we wrap this? Uh, real quickly, this is a Vegas story. I was wondering why we don't find bodies in the desert anymore. You know, as a child oh, growing yeah. up in Vegas, we pretty often found those, right? I mean, somebody's arms sticking out of the ground, somebody's dog brings home a foot, that's true. Uh, things like that. Bodies, as you know, as Lake Mead goes down further and further, we're finding bodies there and whatnot. Uh, I have a friend who worked at a neighborhood called Spanish Trail in Las Vegas back in the 80s when they were building it. She said they found no less than two dozen, yeah, two dozen skeletons out there. She said the cops were there every week. Wow. So I was just wondering out loud on the air, 
And, you know, why don't we find bodies anymore? Construction guys called up and said, we find them all the time. We throw them in the dumpster. Wow. Yeah. And then somebody else called up and said, you're not giving the family closure. Listen, lady, I got a job to do. I don't want them shutting down the job site. It might be an Indian relic. I'm not kidding. That was hilarious. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, see, now I'm tempted uh, to shift gears into a Vegas story. Um, but we'll do that at another time. Uh, because it's, it's a longer story. I will tell you my favorites. I have so many favorite caller moments, um, hearing from military families or, um, when you know you have truly helped change someone's mind or you're in a political discussion and you get a person to a point where they stop and they go, okay, I need to rethink this. And that, those are rare. Uh Those are rare, but they're so, so wonderful or use Socratic inquiry with people. But when I did radio in Salt Lake, this was my favorite caller interaction. And my, my producer, Clyde Lewis, who's a very successful now podcaster and used to have a national radio show. And Clyde's, Clyde's sometimes loony, but man, he's a great radio host. And um, he said to me, this guy really wants you to know he's a lawyer. And it said, you know, on the call screening software, lawyer, 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 he wants you to know he's a lawyer. And, and before <laughs> I put him on, Clyde says, remember, he's a lawyer. And so I put him on, he goes, and this is what he says. Yeah, Todd, uh, before you hang up on me, uh, I just want to say, uh, you should know I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I said, wow, wow, wow. So I'll call you Ken Esquire and you're a lawyer. So I'm going to put on my, my special talk show host hat here. And I better be really on my toes because you're a lawyer. So Ken, I'll tell you what I'm going to do out of respect for your profession and the LSAT score. I'm sure you got hundred um, percent. I'm going to give you the first three minutes unobstructed by host input and allow you just to set forth with your brilliance. So think of it as an opening statement in a courtroom, Ken. And so I'll start the clock. I'm going to go three, two, one, and then you're on. And, and I'm just going to sit back and learn. So are you, Ken, are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Oh, okay. So am I still on? All right, Ken, let's try this. Let me try this again. Let's try it again. I'm going to count three, two, one, and then you will be on. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Well, uh, Todd, so um, I would just say that, you know, you're saying that the church should consider having um, a different uh, you know, take on the, on the, on the marriage, uh, marriage issue. And, and um, look, I mean, what you say, it's not the church's job to change, change. Cause you, cause you, you know, want them to. And so you're saying that they should have a different opinion on this and it's not their job to do that. And just because you, um, so hello. <laughs> that was about 15 seconds. Wow. But that's yeah. That, no, you just did about 15 seconds. You've got two minutes and 45 seconds more. Well, I'm not prepared. I'm not, I'm not used to doing this without notes. And this is, and this is where you got a great producer and we see that, you know, it's coming at the top of the hour, but Ken, you're a lawyer. The Todd Herman show. Oh, that so, is hilarious. What do we call that in radio? Was that a, that's a hard out, right? Or, um, yeah. Or a yeah. Sp- spike ending. Yeah. That is so, so great. All those kind of moments. Yeah. People don't realize it's a different skill set. It's not that we're necessarily smarter than anybody else. We're not saying that it's just a totally different skill set to be able to, to talk for hours about all kinds of things. I mean, if I were auditioning talk show hosts, I wouldn't let them come in with any notes. Absolutely. You know, if you audition for QVC, they, they, they used to do auditions for QVC, they'd say, here's a pencil, sell me this pencil. That's yeah. how they actually did the, the auditions, yeah. as you know. And so I would have a host come in and say, okay, talk to me about, I don't care what it is. Talk to me about something for 10 minutes, no notes. 
Oh, totally. Oh, I love that. And, and, and I have, in fact, had people ask me, teach me how to be in talk radio. And there was a couple I actually coached and they got really good at it, but they were paying me serious money. Uh, and they, they were chiropractors in Spokane, wonderful people, in fact, and ended up producing their show for them. But other people have tried that now. They're, people aren't really prepared to do the sort of reading and stuff we have to do. Let me ask you this uh, question. We have about to two minutes here uh, with Heidi Harris. What is uh, for you, your go-to scripture uh, or go-to scriptures or, or pieces of the Bible that, that strengthen and, and sustain you? Um, and it doesn't need to be any, any length. It's just, what is it in God's word that consistently sustains you, Heidi? Well, you know, for what we do, I would say, obviously, Psalm 146.3, where it says, don't put your trust in princes. I think for such a time as this, I think that's something that a lot of people look at. Mm -hmm. And there's another one that I love a lot that people don't really talk about once. I'm going to double check this on my phone because I want to make sure I'm accurate. In case it's Jonah 2.7 of all crazy places. A lot of people don't tend to read the, the minor prophets. But it's a great quote because we've all been there. A new international version. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. I love that. I love that. And it's so important because we've all been there. What's yours? Yeah. For what we do, Heidi, uh, uh, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but uh, we uh, have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey. Um, That's kind of what we're called to do. The uh, link to Heidi's website is in the show notes. Um, There you can also purchase her book and subscribe to her cast and hear the radio show from St. Louis or yeah, in St. Louis. So now you know what it's like to have someone attempt to cancel you and to refuse to be conquered and instead to thrive. So with the added um, wisdom and strength that we've got from Heidi, uh, thank her for that. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And remember, the Lord knew you before you were born, every hair on your head. Does he not love you more than the spirits, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the birds in the field, the sparrows? Thank you.